Jerry Seinfeld has this hilarious bit that I think of from time to time. And for some reason, to me, it's iconic. Check it out. The people in your line, they're so important, aren't they? Yeah. Really? They don't seem very important. Not the way you scroll through their names on your contact list like a gay French king. Who pleases me today? Who shall I favor? Who shall I delete? Okay, so I know he's talking about people, right? But I picture scrolling through the Netflix catalog and going, no, no, the YouTube homepage, no, no. If you're old school, a bookshelf or a record collection and saying, no, no. What if instead of looking for something to listen to, that struck your fancy. What if you, because you know what you want to hear, you know the kind of movie you want to watch, you know the kind of book you want to read, you know the kind of podcast you want to listen to. What if you made that instead? What if you wrote the song in the mood, in the key, with the attitude about the topic that you wanted to listen to? What if you made a video or a podcast instead of just try to find it? When I was a younger preacher, I used to look for somebody saying a quote that put into words exactly what was in my mind or in my heart to communicate. How weird is that? It it was almost like I thought, if they said it, a dead theologian that's well attested to, then it has authority. But if I say it, then it doesn't. That's, That's silly. Now, I'm not doing that. Now, I'm not hunting for a quote that says what I'm trying to say. If I have one, if I think of one, I'll share it. But If I don't have a quote that says what I'm trying to say, I will write one as clearly as I can. I'll try on words like someone making soup that tastes it to see, does it need more of this? Does it need more of that? Nope, it's not ready yet. It needs more of this. How about now? Yep, we're getting closer. Now, this is where I say boredom is really important because boredom is the birthplace of teenage boys practicing guitar instead of scrolling TikTok. That's why Van Halen exists. That's why so many different bands exist. Because we didn't have smartphones to simply distract us and get a little dopamine hit off of whatever someone else is saying, watch this next, watch this next. Because there was nothing else to do. And then we ended up having way more enjoyable lives. I know that in 2023 to say, we're made to be creators, you know, sparks images of a content creator, which is gross. It's a gross phrase. It's yucky. It's shallow. It's superficial, it's fast, it's someone who aims at views, likes, tries to make a career out of making money off social media, which honestly, that's a hobby, not a career. In my mind, it's a little bit like saying, when I grow up, I'm going to play in the NBA. No, buddy, you won't. There's only like 500 NBA players. That's statistically highly improbable. But what I am saying is, every one of us, no matter what we do for a job, really needs to come alive, and we come most alive when we're doing things, going places, making things, not holding still on a couch, scrolling through our phones like a gay French king. And this is where I say boredom is critically important. Boredom, yes, I just said it. Why? Boredom is like being stuck on a desert island where you do not have options. What do you have to make what you need to live? You only have what's on hand. And it's only you that's there who can do it. Boredom limits and narrows your focus so that you find something to do. To do. Gets you doing. That's why I like the idea 
of incorporating some boredom into your life, my life. But in the modern world, we're not going to have space for boredom unless it's self-imposed. We're probably not going to have creating time if it's not self-imposed. So what I try to do is impose on myself that certain time frames within my day are not for consuming. They are for creating. Too many options is a problem. Going analog or going creativity only, not consumption mode. That's a, this is a challenge in the modern world for adults too, not just for teens. My friend Mark says at the chicken factory he works at, he's one of the only ones there who doesn't have earbuds in. This is the way he said it. I'm one of the only ones here actually having deep thoughts about life. I'm not bored. He's like, I'm in a noisy, busy environment. But inside, I'm not noisy and busy. And I feel bad for these youngins who are just there. They have a podcast on and music on 24 hours a day. They've got noise outside and noise inside. Okay, let's talk about option paralysis. Too many options, we do nothing. They actually sell way more jam if they only make six kinds. Because people get too overwhelmed with the choices to even make any choice at all. And they end up just walking away and saying, "Uh, I'm out. I tell you, when it comes to jam, you need strawberry jam and you need grape jam and that's it. Okay, option paralysis. Sports. Sports make sense. Because there's clear rules, clear resources, a clear team, clear goals. Put this ball through this hoop and don't move without bouncing the ball and their jobs to stop you. All right, there you go. The limitations create clarity. I know exactly how to train. I need to train for ball handling skills. I need to train for shooting. I need to train for passing. We need to train for offensive maneuvers. We need to train for how do we defend And if violating the rules is allowed, suddenly it's no fun and it's not fair. And we could have a conversation about how the lack of clearly and strictly enforcing proper rules is ruining basketball by making offenses have an unfair advantage over defenses on the basketball court. But my point is this, the limits are what make the sport playable. They lend purpose. Limits create purpose. And this is not just true in sports, it's true in music, it's true in writing, it's true in life. It's like, give me two options, then I can say, well, I like that one better, and we can begin to jump. And again, self-imposed limits can kickstart our our movement, it can get us out of the stuck mode and into forward progress mode, because option paralysis is, is a real thing. I recently watched a video where these two musicians sat down and they randomized the process. They had a an option generator. They had all the instruments, and it would randomly tell them what instruments they're allowed to use, randomly tell them what mood they were supposed to do. They would create limits to give themselves a clear assignment to get them moving and making. Let's say they set the assignment, and they're in the middle of the creative process, and the flow is going, and the hour runs out. You know what they're going to do? Now back to our show. I, th- I think in these time challenges, if we get on something that we really, really like, yeah. then we can lose the timer, and everyone's going to understand. This would be an example of, of limits on a songwriter. I'm only allowed to use a guitar, a pen, and a paper, and I have one hour to write a crappy song in the key of D. The song's going to have a chorus, two verses, and a bridge. That's it. Now, 
It's going to be a crappy song. That means my goal is not to make it amazing. My goal is not to feel inspired. When you do that, well, then, you're, then you're self-judgmental and you stop the process if it doesn't feel like it's going well. And that's another creative disaster. Judging the product during the process short circuits the creative process. You can't get into flow. So these are limits, right? A guitar, a pen, a paper, one hour, a crappy song in the key of D with a chorus, two verses, and a bridge. Now set the timer and go. If I open Ableton and I say, I'm just going to play some, I'm going to make some music. What happens is I write one little riff. I play a couple of chords, G and C. I start soloing over that. I put a beat to it. I add a bunch of synthesizers and pads. I maybe make some harmonies. I come up with one or two lines and that's it. I'm done. I haven't written a song at all. I've got too many options and I've started on the editing and the layering before I even have a a basic song structure. So what gets you there? The great albums of old, man, they were written on a piano. The limits helped create this. Later, we'll add the drums, the bass, the, the harmonies, and all the other stuff. Later, we'll do all that. It's like, come on, man. There's a time and a place to edit, and there's a time and a place to dump. I heard Ed Sheeran say that every single day he writes a couple songs, and he doesn't care if they're good or bad, because he has to get out the bad ones to get the rust out of the pipes. That is brilliant. If inspiration shows up, awesome. If it doesn't, I'm still going. So there was a writer who was asked, do you write out of duty or do you write out of discipline when inspiration strikes? This was his answer. He said, I only write out of inspiration, but thankfully she arrives exactly at 9 a.m. every morning when I do. I force myself to show up to work and inspiration comes along for the ride. He's implying that if he didn't show up for the appointment, she probably would, but he'd miss the appointment. One of my writing heroes is Annie Lamott. So her thing is, how do you write great work? Well, you write crappy work and you find the parts that are good and you make them even better. That's all you do. But overthinking is not helpful. Ron Swanson. Oh my goodness. What a brilliant clip. There's a clip of him going into this yoga place. Now, take in the vibe of the room and remain open of mind and of spirit. Now quietly, sit behind me and let's join breath. I'll stand. Interesting technique. All told, we were in there about six hours. And no, I was not meditating. I just stood there quietly breathing. There were no thoughts in my head whatsoever. My mind was blank. I don't know what the hell these other crackpots are doing. Ron, you radiated mindfulness. What were you thinking about? I wasn't thinking at all. Incredible. It takes a ton of work for me to get to that kind of a clear headspace, no matter how hard I try. Don't try so hard. Don't try so hard. Ron, I'm going to try your not trying method right here, right now. You can't try not to try. (laughs) Whenever I go into a real crisis of my life, I mean a real crisis, whenever I'm going through a hard time, I make stuff. Because making stuff is the only thing I've found that engages all of my inner faculties so much that I don't have RAM left over to put on intrusive anxious thoughts. That's fascinating. You go, well, that sounds like you're hiding from your problems by workaholism. No, that's not what it is. It's I'm 
not going to let hard times and threats simply crush me and put me in a place where I'm wallowing in self-pity. I'm going to get up and I'm going to press on. It's one of the things God said to me in one of the hardest seasons of my life. He gave me Philippians 3. This one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I press on towards what's ahead. What, what am I aiming at? What am I pressing on towards? Paul's like, I'm not going to obsess over the past. You won't get me to change the topic from the beauty and the glory and the grace of Jesus. You won't get me on a detour. You won't get me sidestepped. You won't get me sidetracked. I'm here to know Jesus. That means we have a calling. And whatever you do, you're meant to be a creator, not a consumer. When life gets hard, make stuff. Make something that you want to hear. Even if it's crap. At least you tried. I mean, after all, it sure beats sitting around on your butt scrolling on your phone like a gay french king